Welcome, 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 everyone, to Slayer Fest 98. I am Claire Kramer, aka the Great Glorificus, and today on Slayer Fest 98, I am joined by Ian Carlos Crawford and Matthew Rodriguez. Yay! Uh, so, Claire, today we're here to discuss with you glory as a gay icon. <laughs> Let's discuss. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you feel about that title? Because we we stand. <laughs> well, you yeah. know what? I'm extremely flattered. I mean, there's there's not a demographic I'd love to be considered an icon by <laughs> more than more than the gay community. Um, but I have to say, I didn't create the character with anything in mind. You know, she wasn't. She wasn't created to be this or to be that. I am just thankful that through the great writing, the directing, and the storytelling, I was able to create something that was so relatable to so many other people. Um, I mean, this can't be the first time you've heard that, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, no, definitely not. You did say like that. That's not that there was that wasn't went into creating it. But I am wondering, like, what when you read Glory on the page, what did you bring to her that you felt? Like, what, what did you characterize her as? Like, what were you thinking? You know, she, it's really interesting because I talked a little bit about uh, on the other podcast, sort of her origin story and my origin story. And when I initially got the material, there wasn't a character description given. It was, it was very open-ended as Joss likes to work, I think. And so I sort of took the words, took the premise of the show, what I knew about the show, the characters I knew existed on the show already, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to do something totally big, totally different, and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. So I, I created Glory from a place of, um, in a way it sounds weird, but honesty. Just be, She's completely honest about how she feels all the time. She's big. She's not afraid. And she's not, she's not out for malice. She's just out for herself and her own goals. And that's, that sort of is the premise in a nutshell of the character. And of course, she likes the finer things in life, you know, yeah. and to look good, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's something about even the way that you talked about the character just now that feels like um, the icons that a lot of gay men have responded to over the years. Like when you talk about boldness and honesty, like you can go back and talk about like Betty Davis and you can talk about people like Cher now who just says what she means and shoots right. the hip all right. the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, and isn't that what makes these people relatable? It's not that Cher's so gorgeous and such an amazing singer, or, you know, it's that it's the life she's lived and who she is as a person. You know what I mean? That's the relatable part. And for Glory, it's not, she's not evil. She's not a big bad. She's not particularly anything. She's a bit of a narcissist or maybe a lot of a narcissist, <laughs> you know, but she is just out for her own for her own goals, which the within the, you know, confines of season five is to go back to her home, you know? So she's not out to harm. She's out for fun. She enjoys a good laugh just as much as she enjoys a good drink, you know, or a brain suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, she's unapologetic. I think that's a good word for her. Yeah. Um, we had um, Dax exclamation point on who was on RuPaul's Drag Race earlier mm -hmm. in season five. And she was saying that, she felt like Glory almost is a drag queen. Like, she, like, vamps everywhere she goes. She, you know, commands the room. And it was really funny. She was like, yeah, I mean, if 
like at the time we weren't sure if it was a reboot or revival. She was like, if it's a reboot, have me play Glory in the reboot. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and and she does. She does vamp. She is she is not, you know, she's not a slight personality. You know what I mean? She is big and she's bold and she's unapologetic. And I, I put in my notes and I say this lovingly, of course, I don't say it like Glory is like almost campy, but like in the best way, like Glory's she's campy, but she's also being true to her. Like being campy is not an act for her. Right. It's like, that's yeah. how she is. And that reads on the screen as well. Like it's, it's camp, but it's like, that's how she is. She literally wants you to shut up and listen to her. There's no, like, that's not a joke when she says it. And I feel like glory almost is a Disney, like in some weird universe, glory would be a Disney villain. Right. I think, yeah, I can definitely see that like a Cruella de Vil or, yeah. you know, and, but it's with the, it's with, the, it's how she handles the dialogue that was written is you don't, you don't hit every joke. That's not what, you know, a big, bold personality does. They throw things away and that almost makes it more powerful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so even extending now that I brought up Betty Davis, I'm thinking about like feud Betty and Joan and how like so much of your character is, you know, like I'm I'm interested in, in what it was like for you to get, be able to dig into like acting opposite so over, so other many female characters, specifically you and Buffy, and then even you have a great scene with Willow, and you su mind suck Tara. So like in the show, what was it like to finally or to have the chance to be able to work with so many women in such a like complex dynamic? Um, it was really great, especially as I mean, I was really young when I played that role. I I was in my very early twenties, and um, it was great first and foremost to work with Sarah Michelle Gellar because she had been, she was born into this business, it almost seems. And I was brand new. This was my first television show ever, you know? And so I was learning from Sarah as I was developing as an artist myself. Um, and there was, you know, there's so much to learn just from the logistical standpoint of what you do on set. But from a standpoint of getting to act opposite another very strong, quote unquote, strong female character, you know, it really made for an interesting dynamic between the two because you didn't know who, you know, Buffy was getting beat down by Glory <laughs> and you didn't you didn't know quite how she was going to deal with that or recover from that. And it took pretty much the whole season for her to figure out a way. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah. that's that's what I love about season. I love that's what I love about season five. And that's what I love about glory is that glory is also like glory is really enjoyable to watch on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, but also she feels undefeatable, right? Like, you know, in uh, towards the end of season five, they literally run away because Buffy is like, I can't fight her. Let's go. And they get an RV and go, of course it doesn't work out so well, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, that's, the only they time can run, the... but they can't hide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's so interesting too to see to hear you talk about like playing this role as someone in their young tw in their like early twenties. Because aside from maybe like high school movies where there's the girl who has like power in the context of high school, it's so right. rare that we get to see a woman play like an all powerful being while she's in her early twenties, right? Oh, exactly. Like, the, I literally feel like getting to play Glory was like the, you know, the Willy Wonka golden ticket. You know, it's it, in my career, I haven't had as a role as dynamic since, obviously, because when do you get to play a hell god? Um, <laughs> but, you know, to play that so young, I think was it was good as an artist in a way because I was fearless. 
So I took ideas and I just implemented them and threw them out there. And I think as an older artist, sometimes you get more reserved and a little bit tentative, you know, and I just was in a really interesting place in my career where I was, I was fearless. And so that, that made glory fearless. And she did things and said things without worrying about repercussions. Huh? Yeah. I feel like those are the kind of characters queer people tend to like uh, gravitate to, right? Yeah, she got to do everything in life that you or I wish we could do. <laughs> Telling people, like, you know, like While exactly looking... how we felt all the time with no social conditioning. That's and... what Glory did. And <laughs> while looking fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we're wearing Prada and, you know, five-inch, four-inch heels. <laughs> <laughs> did, that ever make, did that ever make some of the fights harder, being in those, like, big heels? You know what? It was the best training ever because now I can go out and party all night. <laughs> Everybody else is limping, taking their shoes off, and I'm all, this is nothing. You know? <laughs> um, it was There was a learning curve, but you know what? It was all good, and, and it really was great. Now, I really can do anything in heels, I feel like. <laughs> that was your tryout for everything else. You're like, no. I don't, I, I don't know if you guys watch America's Got Talent. Do you guys watch that show ever? I have watched it. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's like a guilty pleasure for <laughs> myself and my kids as well. So there was this dance group from, I, I believe they were from Europe, maybe even Indonesia. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, it was these men who all like did this awesome break dancing and flipping in these like four inch heels. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> I, Claire, I have faith in you that you could do it. Um, so <laughs> thank you. And now we have another special guest coming to speak with Claire, legend, icon. Say your name. Oh, Trixie Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Trixie. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Trixie, so we had you prepare a few questions for Claire. Would you like to get into them? Claire, are you ready? I'm ready, but first of all, I just want to say I'm a fan of yours, Trixie. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Oh my God, that is going to carry my spirit for like 48 hours. Thank you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> Only 48. Well, I'll call you back in 48 hours and tell you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, it was so hard to think of questions to ask you because I, I mean, just, I mean, you were so amazing. One of my all time favorite parts of that show is so good. I mean, oh, thank you. And you know, I, I, I rewatch, I like rewatch, crashed it on an airplane from Australia. I just watched all of season five and you were so iconic and impactful and then it was weird to watch and see that you were in how many of the episodes 10 i think i think it was 13 i if i if memory serves me correctly but to me you are like the huge takeaway and i'm like wow she's in like half of them and she owns I know. Like the whole season isn't that weird people sometimes are like how many years were you on the show i'm like no <laughs> it was just it was just a season but she was such a big presence and personality that, you know, she sort of transcends that seasonal memory. You know what I mean? Completely. Okay, I have some questions, and some of them are real thinkers, and some of them are completely stupid, but that's kind of how I operate, so. Okay, well, um, I'm ready. I'm ready for both. (laughs) Okay, you guys might have been asked this already, but um, any fan of Buffy knows that a lot of the time people audition for one role and then get considered for something else later, kind of as a surprise. Did you originally audition for something else? I think I was one of the few people on the show that ended up with a character that didn't initially go in at an audition. And that is because when the show was originally cast, I was still in New York. I wasn't even in Los Angeles. 
um, I had only moved to LA to work on a project a few months before I auditioned for Buffy. So I was brand new to the town. That is amazing. So you were like, you got the call for Glory and that's what you auditioned for or didn't audition for and that's it. I, I did audition. So it, it's really funny, Trixie. When I got the call, it was two pages of material, no character description at all. The only character description was woman and the character's name was uh, Cherry. And so I looked at the material and thought, well, I mean, I guess I'm a woman. So <laughs> I'll go in for this one. I'm going to nail this. And, and yeah, I think that um, part of the freedom for me with the audition process was not knowing too much about the show. I knew, of course, the show was really successful. Who knew it would have the longevity and, and you know, the the time that it's been popular extend for decades. At the time, I just thought, oh, it's just another TV show. So there's a certain amount of freedom in auditioning because of that belief. I didn't really quick and ask one question as a follow-up to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you talk to, so you had known Eliza from Bring It On, right? So yes, Eliza and I had just finished maybe, oh, I think it was only like two months prior filming Bring It On, which we filmed in San Diego for five months. And so when we had gotten back into Los Angeles, I still didn't have a place to live. I was staying with another girl who did Bring It On. And she had had, I think one of her crossover episodes was airing within that time frame between when we wrapped Bring It On and I auditioned for the show. And so I went over and I watched the crossover episode. I was like, oh, this show's kind of cool, you know? It's good. I like it, you know? And so when I got the uh, call to go in and read for the character, I called Eliza and she's like, oh, yeah, just go, go. You're, it's a great show. Go. It'll be amazing if you get it. So she she definitely encouraged me. That's amazing. I love mm-hmm. that. So follow-up question then, since it was such an original, it was originally, it was such a, um, like, carte blanche, how much of her was them and how much of her do you think they've sort of put in because of what you brought to it? Well, I think that Joss had an idea in his mind of what he wanted. And I think I was lucky enough that I somehow like, you know, channeled that without having him verbalize what he wanted for the character. I knew if I created something different and unique I would have the best chance of getting cast and getting a job, which is what I wanted at this point because I was unemployed after Bring It On. (laughs) Um, And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. Every other girl who's going to go in there is going to look pretty much like me, you know, like, you know. And so I'm just going to do something totally crazy and totally different. So I channeled Jack Nicholson from The Shining when I went in for my first read. And from that moment, I remember Joss looking at me and kind of like nodding his head and then saying, okay, thank you. And me being like, leaving the room and being like, I blew that. <laughs> no one's going to no one's gonna be calling me back. And by the time I got to my car, I had a call to come in the next day. And they told me I had the job. So from that initial interpretation, I think Joss, myself, and the writers all molded the character together. That, I think that's part of what probably made it so good is that they took advantage of what you brought to it. Because it was so fluid, like... That's such a great reference, the shine, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was my initial thing. And, and, you know, here's a funny story. 
when I was filming the first episode, um, No Place Like Home, I had come from New York. I did theater, you know, which probably was another reason now that Glory was like this big personality because I was used to being like on stage. So I was filming the episode and I'd never, like I said, I'd never done a TV show before. So I just memorized that whole big monologue with the monk and the this and the that. And, you know, and Joss was like, okay, are you ready to rehearse it? And I'm like, yeah. And I just did the whole thing. <laughs> not knowing that that's really not how television works, that they, you know, you stop and you start and you're holding the sides and whatever. And I remember them looking, the whole crew looking at me like, okay, well, uh, this is going to be, okay, great. You know, here we go. So I, I was so new to the business that I, I had treated it like a piece of theater. Huh. Okay. This one's a little silly. Okay. So often Glory would get, uh, she would turn back into Ben and he would be left standing there in like a lace negligee, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. Who do you think turned the looks harder, you or Charlie Weber? <laughs> I mean, I got to hope myself, but you know, Charlie is nothing to turn away from. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. He's good. He's a ripped dude, you know? And it would, it would, yeah, he was, he was really, really, uh, good-hearted about having to wear those negligees <laughs> it was it happened like so often i was like somebody's really gonna get a kick out of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely was it was I it think it was only once that i turned into his clothes like there was only like one time <laughs> you know <laughs> and then at the end you guys were turning back and forth from this like sacrificial robe which was basically genderless anyway yeah, yeah. exactly did they have to resize some of the outfits or would they literally just make him squeeze into like your dresses Oh, they resized the dresses for him, but they didn't do me that courtesy of like giving me, <laughs> giving me something that maybe would fit a little bit. I just looked like a like you know I was wearing these giant clothes. Listen, we had a um, a YA author. Um, she's queer, and she said that Glory in that look was really doing it for her. It was her favorite outfit of the oh, episode. <laughs> well, then there you go. <laughs> You got something for everyone. <laughs> I am happy to please. Episodes, uh, one of the episodes, one of your minions talks is talking to you about how Ben is attractive, and you respond to him. You're like, "Well, of course he's attractive." <laughs> it's like the minion even is kind of entranced by how hot Ben is. <laughs> yes, and I'm happy to hear that because you know, Glory never can see Ben. She's only inside of him. That's you know, funny. so she of course she views him as attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next. This is a little dumber, but uh, was that all your real hair? Yes, it was. Ooh, and what's um, your natural hair texture? I have to know. Curly. That is it. That was part of what I think helped me get the job is, truth be told, the night before the audition, I went out. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have time to blow dry my hair the next day. So all, all, all you ladies will understand this. So I just scrunched it up with some of that Aussie hair gel. Oh, not the hair scrunch. Oh, the hair <laughs> early 2000s so yeah the purple one scrunch. the scrunch spray yes the scrunch <laughs> spray i scrunch sprayed it and then i put a little bit of the um texturizing cream on the ends and i was like well they're getting claire curly hair claire today and i think that's what sort of added to the allure now the funny thing is that's my natural hair and if you watch the first like the pr photos that are all in the red dress if you you know look the warner brother released photos that's my natural hair they spent two hours a day trying to get my hair to look natural by putting curlers in it and then like dyeing it, pieces of it red. And by the end of the episode, I was like, this, I look like Shirley Temple. Like, this is not glory. <laughs> this is not her hair. But, you know, they did their best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next question is amazing. Uh, okay, 
Um, a lot of people think Wendy's has the best French fries. Do you take any credit for that? Of course I do. Okay, good. <laughs> that was kind of a throwaway question, but I had to include it. You okay. are throwing back to like way, for people who don't know what Trixie's talking about, Early in my career, I grew up in central Ohio, and I was a budding actress. And the one of the opportunities was Wendy's was hiring someone to be the Wendy's girl. So I, uh, you know, won that title. <laughs> and for a couple of years, spent my time making appearances as Wendy. And so, and of course, I ate the fries. That is iconic. That is so good. Trixie, I'm impressed. I had no, I normally I know all my facts about everyone who was on Buffy. I did not know that. But see, that's oh, like pre internet. So, well, it's also really funny that you are the Wendy's girl and Sarah Michelle Geller made her big break being the Burger King girl. I know. <laughs> yes, when strong women and fast food come together, I don't miss a beat. Okay? Yes. <laughs> I love okay. it. Fast food, would you, do a, uh, would you do an ad for Jack in the Box? Me? I was asking Trixie. Oh, Trixie. Oh, um, well, I think I live in L.A. now, so I would have to do something L.A. adjacent, like a smoothie like place or something. Out. Yeah. Okay, okay, Trixie will do in and out <laughs> This I'll question is makes me so excited. One of my favorite things about uh, Glory was nobody had ever been smoking hot, well-dressed, and like, ir- like completely stronger than Buffy. So it was so actually fun to watch you be Buffy, sort of, and just quip and be not even threatened and her be fighting for her life. Because that never happened before. And um, there was this part where uh, Michelle Trachtenberg says, I think you're just mad because you have to fight somebody prettier than you. What did it feel like on national television to have Michelle Trachtenberg say that you were prettier than Sarah Michelle <laughs> Well, first of all, it's not true. Sarah is beautiful. <laughs> but in that moment, it felt fantastic. <laughs> I bet. I would think you would sit home and like rewind it and watch it again. Yeah, like, like that's yeah. like basically when my self-esteem goes low, I just loop that little bit, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Okay, I have like one more question. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to work with that really big, crazy snake puppet. I did. Oh my gosh! Yes, I did. And and as I these these were the days of practical effects, you know. So if you needed a, a giant lizard snake thingy, you know, they built one up, and some guy got it and ran down the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Okay, one more, one more. This is a practical thing because I know this. You, I mean, I looked at your feet the whole season because they would always feature you in these strappy, like, like torture devices. Uh-huh. I had to know. Were you ever just like, Joss? What if Glory was stunning in like a slipper? Can we just get a mule? <laughs> <laughs> or did you yeah, have like slippers back. backstage? Like, cut! Oh my god, get these off me. Well, you know, they did have, um, I think, first of all, the thing I learned, and I and I put this out there as a tip to anyone who wears heels, <laughs> size up a half size if you're going to be in them a while. You know, don't be afraid. Go a little bigger on the shoe. Don't try to have it, you know, don't, don't be worried about your foot looking, you know, petite because comfort trumps, you know, trumps that look. Anyway, so I definitely learned to size up a little on the heels and you could wear them longer. Second is, yes, I did have a pair. Now, don't hate me, but I had a pair of Uggs. <laughs> yes! <laughs> that 
I wore. <laughs> you had your scrunch spray, you had your Uggs, and you were I mean, ready. I was ready. <laughs> I was ready, willing, and able, okay? <laughs> well, I get it. I only ask because, you know, at any drag show, including Drag Race, you know, everybody walks off stage and fully puts on, like, dad slippers because it's those oh, are yeah. those little straps become razor blades after, like, an oh, hour. Oh, they're like, they're like teat piranhas biting into your feet. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've kind of moved away from the real strappy. I feel like the real strappy look has kind of been moved away from, and now it's, like, the chunkier, thick sort of sling back i don't know i i'm kind of digging those type of heels i don't look back yeah don't ever look back that's some torture yeah yeah i, exactly. I actually know a drag queen that like hurt her ankle from like wearing like the high heel like stilettos it's not a oh, joke yeah, yeah. It's okay and, and i know i said this is my last question but this one's like my way out question who is the bigger bitch glory and buffy or courtney and bring it on well, you know, neither of them are bitches, Trixie. I mean, <laughs> they, just, they just want what they want, okay? I mean, Courtney wanted to be captain and Glory wanted to go home, and there's nothing wrong with either of those things. You got to go That's for true. what you want in life, you know? <laughs> A lesson Inspiring that across universes. <laughs> yes, it transcends, you know, the teen romp comedy and the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the trying to think of a way show. to describe Glory, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, you know who Thanos is the like the Marvel character. Yes, of course. Okay, I think she's Thanos crossed with Courtney Shane from Jawbreaker. Do you think that's? Oh accurate? yeah, that's mm -hmm. not a like, she, like she's yeah. so scary because um, she's so powerful that she was unbothered. Like her only weakness was that she un she just underestimated that anybody could even possibly slow her down. That's why she was so iconic, so good. Oh my god, yeah, I, I yeah. love that comparison because also I fucking love Jawbreaker. Oh, oh my god, yeah. Fucking. Which also stars Julie Benz from Buffy and Angel. Darla. Yeah. Uh, I, I told you, I normally keep track of what every Buffy actor has done, Claire. <laughs> it, it was a blind spot, clearly, that I didn't know you did a uh, Wendy's commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was, it's, it's by no fault of your own. Uh, they're, they're really, it was before the internet, you know? Yeah, fair. Um, I was young. Young. How old were you? I think I was like 12. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh. I, think, I mean, it's funny that you just got this role out of nowhere, just sort of like, well, I'll put in the hairspray and see what happens. I mean, you probably right? had no idea at the time that it was going to you really just like made that whole season just a thing. So, you know, thank I you for didn't. That. Oh, thank you for saying that. You know, I didn't have an idea. And I think that that is what enabled me to be sort of free and take chances is at that age, at that juncture in my life, it, it was sort of, you know, everything collided to create a sense of fearlessness inside myself as an artist and as a person. And so that I totally threw everything into the character without worrying about, you know, now, you know, I get a job and I'm like, Ooh, I hope I don't get fired. Like, let's <laughs> hope the writing's good. You know? And then I was like, fire, what? Nobody's going to fire me. You know, <laughs> it was just that, you know, you're young and you're fearless. And it came, it was, it totally enabled me to be free in creating the character. Huh. Yeah. And, and Trixie, before you joined us, we were kind of talking about that fearlessness and how it's palpable and how like we felt like, a lot of queer people really responded to it. Like the Betty Davis share model of queer icon who just like says what they want and does what they want. Totally. I mean, it, it was the, the crosshairs of being like all powerful and also um, celebratory of like over the top femininity that never happens on, t on TV, especially not at the time. Yeah. It was so cool. Mid fight and be like, I love your shoes. I mean, I, I that's, <laughs> 
there were there you know the fighting was funny there were there were definitely some times where there were funny action moments there were funny moments um you know, there was a time I punched and knocked out Sarah Michelle Gellar's stunt double. Oh my god, <laughs> that's not so funny. It was funny in retrospect, you know. But it was we were filming that snake the, in the snake like uh, aquarium type place. Yeah, yeah. And it was really late. I was like wearing a leather dress at three in the morning. You know, completely ridiculous, and just punched this girl flat between the eyes and she sunk down like she was supposed to. And then I finished the scene and then she did not wake up, you know? Oh my God. And so, <laughs> well, sometimes a theater person in theater, they take that very seriously. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so then, but you know what, honestly, I, I have, I think that I gave her, her like rite of passage as a stunt person. Cause she got a big, big bump between her eyes and then two black eyes and, and everybody called her the unicorn for a couple weeks, you know, and she was like, I got punched. I got punched, you know? (laughs) So it was kind of like cool for her as well. (laughs) Not so cool for me. I was, I was definitely felt terrible, but she was, you know, she was very good sport about it. Oh my God. Full moon girls. Like one time Claire Kramer punched me in the face. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. (laughs) I mean, you get to say like you knocked someone out too. Like, you did like now that you know that she's fine, you get to be like, oh yeah, I'm tough enough. I knocked someone out. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm like God. I don't think I think my punch would do nothing if I hit someone. <laughs> Come over, right. I'll give you a lesson. <laughs> Claire, have you seen any characters since Glory that you've like looked at them and been like, oh, Glory influenced that, like that badass woman archetype, like that is Glory 2.0. I've definitely seen, uh, you know. I don't know if Glory would have influenced the characters, but there's, she was, I feel like the first of its kind in, in a way on television at least. And then since we've seen more of those dynamic, not goody two shoe sort of, I hate using the word like strong woman, you know, because that it's such a throwaway term, but you know, dynamic grounded characters. I don't think if this were like someone created this in 2018, people would think of it as like quote-unquote as revolutionary as it was but like for the time that was such all of that i mean trixie like you said seeing a strong character who's a woman who's wearing you know full dress and strappy shoes punched through a wall that was like unheard of back then well right. and she i mean and she was i mean glory the character was pa- is it the bechtel test she was passing that test before it was cool you know? <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like she was so sexy but i mean everything including sex or anybody who is trying to stop her was like irrelevant like she was so powerful that like even this every other villain is like what if the slayer stops me and for glory it was like it was like finding out there's traffic she was like oh okay like we're still getting where we're going all right here we go yeah (laughs) um and it's funny i actually said this there's an episode claire where glory lays on her bed and she's trying on a shoe and you stick your leg straight up in the air, and it reminds me of Victoria Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that episode. That episode was a lot of fun, yeah. And I feel I, like that's another, like, she's almost like Victoria Beckham if Victoria Beckham could punch through a wall. Like, that's right. why gays love her so much, maybe. <laughs> I have to imagine the fashion tape was in full force with all that movement you had to do in these, like, tissue paper negligees, basically. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I was like, tape me in, sew me in, like, do we, <laughs> yeah. do... I, I don't know. It, it was definitely, you know, there was one um, wardrobe malfunction where one of the straps broke and, 
and it was a, a little bit embarrassing. I didn't really care too much, but yeah. uh, other than that, they did a pretty good job of keeping everything nipped and tucked where it should be. <laughs> when you were filming season five, like obviously they had did not yet know that there would be a season six and there was a world in which like Glory would be the final big bad. Did you hear anything about like whether Glory would kind of succeed and like that would be the end or like, you know, were they, were they testing out different endings before they knew they would get picked up again? You know, they, they actually, when we filmed the final episode, they didn't know if the show was going to continue on because remember it's jump networks as well. Yeah. Um, so it was technically canceled for a period of time. Uh, I, I wasn't privy to what they were discussing in the writer's room. My own fantasy (laughs) was, was that Glory would have a stronger ending than she did. I felt like, you know, the whole season was, was building up and showing that here you have this character that cannot be defeated. You know, it's a real problem for this group of people. It's a real problem for Buffy. And then in the end, it's like, oh yeah, we'll just kill, you know, Ben. And I really wasn't crazy about the ending, but no one was really asking my opinion about that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just went with the flow. But I, I didn't know. I don't know what their plans were. I think that definitely But when we filmed and maybe even when that episode aired, they didn't know what was going to happen to the show for the next season. So that could have potentially been the ending. Hmm. But that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I feel like a lot of season five is written. So, like, this could be the end. Uh, right. I think it's the same with season one is because, you know, Joss right. didn't know if the show was going to continue after the first season. So he encompassed his story there just in case, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And I, I also, I agree with you. I, I feel like for as iconic as Gloria is, I would have liked a bigger end to her if she had to have an end. Right. It was kind of like, wah, wah. Like, <laughs> you know, what happened? <laughs> right. We don't get like a final fight with her the way that Buffy and Faith have like a final iconic fight. Right. Yeah. I have to, I have to say, um, you know, it was some time ago as far as like special effects goes, but when I was cramming the episodes yesterday, I was like, you know, the, this scene where you're flipping back and forth between Ben and Glory for how long mm-hmm. ago it was and how fast you, I was so seamless. Like the way that they did her sort of turning around and then she would turn around and be Ben again. It was like magical. Yeah. That was, that's the scene in the alley is the one you're referring to, right? Yeah, you guys must have had to block it and then just run it like exact train tracks over. We did. Them. What we did is, well, first of all, they had to build a um, a walkway of apple boxes for me because Charlie's like a foot and a half taller. Um, and oh, so yeah. I was like doing the whole scene on apple boxes. But what we would do for that scene was I would film the entire thing, all the lines, his and mine. There was no start and stop. And then he would film the entire thing. And then they'd go in and then I'd film the entire thing from a different angle. And then he'd film the entire thing. So we really, it was me doing the scene and then it was Charlie doing the scene. And then they did a lot of that in editing. So it was, it was, um, I think we spent maybe two days filming that. Oh, really? That was so good. My favorite scene of yours though. Oh my God. The one where Buffy comes home looking for her mom and you're there and it's like, Oh, with the fire poker. Yeah. Yeah, So iconic. It is so chilling. It is so, it's so scary. It's, it's sort of like, um, what's her name from, um, Devil Wears Prada. Oh yeah. Um, where she um, speaks softly, but so intense. Mar- mm-hmm. um, what's her name? Miranda Priestly. Yes. You just like so scary, but like not exerting 
like you know i'll kill you if you even move it's so good oh uh, that that was that was also i loved working with sarah i mean she was so i learned so much by being on that show and working with someone who is that professional um and i always loved filming with her because she never i don't think in seven years she ever missed a line I mean, she she taught me what it is like to be a professional, like what you need to do to carry a show. I mean, the show was Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, she was she was there twenty four seven. It almost seemed like, and she was amazing. So before we end, Claire, what's one of the craziest things that's happened at a con? Oh my goodness! Well, uh, I always love when I see Glory cosplay <laughs> and Glory Ben cosplay. I've seen some great like split down the middle, like oh. you know, half Glory, half Ben <laughs> characters. Um, I find a few body parts that have then been tattooed with my signature, so I'm very flattered about that, obviously. Um, I don't know. That's a good one to think about. Claire, I wanted to let you know, you were one of the first uh, Buffy people I met at a con, like, forever ago in Philly. And I remember, Ah. like, being nervous to approach your table, and then you were, like, the nicest. And I was like, oh, she's not not mean at all. (laughs) I'm glad I was nice. Good. I was wondering where that story was going. Oh, I no, yeah. your table and then... Yeah. He's like, and then you punched me in the face. And dot, dot, dot. dot. Awesome. <laughs> no, um, it was like back in the day before they had uh, like the photo ops. So you just like uh-huh. kind of take photos with you at your table. Oh my gosh. To link our two guests together, Claire, would you do an episode of Drag Race in which there was a Buffy-themed runway? I don't need a Buffy-themed runway. I would do... <laughs> I'm in. I am in. I love that show. Like I said, oh, I'm a big fan. Oh my gosh. I mean you I mean you guys were fully in drag for that whole show, so <laughs> oh, it, it, definitely glory. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, leather I have to say before baby. I go, you're such a um such an icon and I'm sure when you did that character you didn't know it was gonna um resound the way it did but like you did that girl it's so good oh yeah. thank you thank you so much um and thank you guys all for doing this uh this was a lot of fun and if you guys want to follow slayerfest 98 on twitter we are at slayerfest x 98 uh don't forget to subscribe and like us on itunes we are on soundcloud stitcher and google play if you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, he is at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. And if you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at Ian X Carlos on Twitter. Trixie, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Trixie Mattel and everything. And Claire? I'm at Claire Kramer. We're both very original, Trixie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys all later. Bye. 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 Thank you, guys.